And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy The Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. Hello and welcome to Two True Freaks. My name is Scott Gardner and I am joined as always by my very best friend, Chris Honeywell. Hello. Hey, how's it going, man? Uh, not bad, I guess. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a solemn occasion. It's a sad occasion. You know, to give the listeners a little peek behind the curtain, you know, we were actually sitting down tonight to record uh, the first of our commentaries for, uh, for this month. Kind of taking a little time off from the regular format, and we're going to do some uh, some movie commentaries. If you heard the last episode we put out, then uh, then you know what the plan is for the month. But anyway, we were sitting down to do that tonight, or that was the plan to sit down and do that tonight. And then we received the uh, the very sad news that actor Leonard Nimoy uh, has passed away. Yep. And we just decided, you know. We're, we're both lifelong Star Trek fans. You know, we do a regular Star Trek uh, monthly, you know, monthly Monday show. Couldn't really let the occasion go by. And, uh, you know, as I posted on Facebook today, and I hope I wasn't terribly, you know, maudlin about it or what. I was just trying to be sincere. You know, I found myself profoundly uh, affected by it. I really was. Uh, I, I mean, it, it really hit me a lot harder than uh, than I anticipated because, you know, the funny thing about it, I don't think it was necessarily unexpected. I mean, you no, know, I he... heard he'd gone to the hospital a few days ago mm-hmm. and I was just like, yeah, 83. And I was just like, I'll hope for the best, you know? Right, right. And so did I. But, you know, also, I mean, you know, let's face it, he had a terminal condition and he knew it. And uh, and I had read something not long. It's funny because I read it again today, and it had a slightly different spin. But I had read something not long ago that said basically that uh, that Nimoy was kind of um, how do you want to put it? You know, basically like girding himself up for death. You know, I mean, he, he knew he didn't yeah, have long. He, yeah, he knew the clock was ticking. It, exactly. Yeah, and. But yeah, I mean, it still comes as I, I, it, for one thing. You know, one thing I didn't put in my post today, but one thing that. Um, I think led to the way I felt was, you know, even with all of that, with him being 83 and having the, uh, the, uh, what do you call it? COPD? Is that what it's called? Is it CPOD or COPD? I, think I have no COPD. idea what you're talking about. The the condition that he has. Um, oh, I'm trying to. I think it's COPD. It? COPD. Yeah, I should know. My father has the same thing. I should know what it. Yeah, it's COPD. It's uh, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease. Um, even with all that, you know, you, you just you tend to think of your heroes, even when they're real people, you know, and not fictional made up people like Superman or something. You tend to think of them as larger than life, you know, like, oh, they'll never die kind of thing. And I, I think that was a lot of it as well. Was He's appeared as Spock twice in the last few years, you know. Right. It's it's so, you know, that it's just like you uh, we've been used to our entire lives this guy playing Mr. Spock, mm-hmm. you know, and he's always been there. And yeah. Still do it. He's been still doing it. So it's, it's, yeah, it's strange. And, and yeah, and he, it wasn't unexpected, but when it happens, it makes you think, you know, it makes you look back mm-hmm. and, you know, try to put it into perspective with, you know, with your own life, you know, I mean, I remember when I was a kid that, you know, Mr. Spock was my idol. Mm-hmm. You no, know, I mean when when I would um, 
when I would play Star Trek, I never wanted to be Captain Kirk. I always wanted to be Mr. Spock. <laughs> and to me, you know, my, to you know, to myself, the assumption was, why would you want to, you know, that was the most desirable. It was funny because whenever we'd get a group of kids together to play Star Trek, like, I'd never had to fight for Mr. Spock, but I always just assumed that was the role that everybody would want, you know? So I, it was like calling the front seat. Right. Play. Right. He was one of the major reasons that series happened and kept happening, you know, in, in its first incarnation is the, fina- you know, a lot of people, a lot of the people who are there to remember it are, well, they're older than us, you know, so they're getting, they're getting on, but right. it was a phenomena, you know, it was, uh, it was, you know, a national, people were walking around with Mr. Spock pins and, you know, yeah, I grok Spock, yeah, yep, yeah, it, it was, it was a big, it was, it was sort of, the next thing for nerds to go like, we love this after Lord of the Rings, you know, which had been written at the beginning of the, you know, 20th century, you know, to say, to say he, ha- you know, to, just to try to estimate the impact he's had on people's lives by portraying Mr. Spock is, you, you almost can't figure it out. It's because it's a worldwide phenomena. Did you happen to watch any of the uh, the major news, like the nightly news? Because I'm not usually a nightly no, I news worked, kind of guy, but I, I oh, that's right. I you worked just got all day today, work. and then when I was at work, one of my coworkers informed me that Doctor Spock had died. <laughs> it's funny after all these years that that people still do that. I think my mother still calls him that I too. Think they were just trying to get a rise out of me. Uh, I think, but I mean, there are people. I, I, I was going to turn my... around and be like, "That's Mr. Spock." Right. Doctor Spock is a baby psychiatrist, <laughs> parent psychiatrist, really. But um, yeah. So I, I'm like, okay, well, I have to go check the Facebook. So I went onto Facebook and just sort of looked to see what was going on. But you know, I mean, at that point, it was like, what's sort of, I mean. It's not like I was thinking, what happened? Did he die in a plane crash or something? You know, it, right. you know, I was like, oh, that's right. He was, he was in, going to the hospital a couple days ago. So I didn't really think about it till I got home and started, you know, we started planning to do the, the commentary we were going to do tonight and then just, you know, started discussing what, you know, because, I mean, immediately we both knew we were going to have to somehow address it somehow because not just because people are going to want us to, but yeah, we're just going to want to talk about it. Right. And uh, I mean, already on Facebook, people have been asked if we were going to do a dedicate Star Trek monthly Monday. I saw that and I was just I, like, ah, oh, geez, yeah. the month we don't have Star Trek. Right. Monthly, yeah. Dedicate to Leonard Nimoy, you know? That, yeah. That, I thought of that too. Well, it's funny because as soon as it, it broke, I couldn't tell you how many PMs I got from people. So what are you guys going to do? What are you guys going to I'm like, it just happened. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm still reeling, you know? So, you know, the, the message I sent to some several, cause I kept it kind of short and I, I didn't mean it to be terse or anything. I just didn't really know what to say. And so the kind of my default thing was, I'm sure we'll do something, but at the moment I'm just kind of stunned. And well, here's how it kind of happened. I think for that's me, what is, I sort of uh, said to someone on Facebook too. Yeah, you know, is uh, 
you know, Michael Bailey and I, uh, we got up early today and, uh, and got online a little after nine o'clock this morning. We were recording uh, the next episode of, of Tales of the JSA. And right about the time the, the episode was, was wrapping up and everything, I got a ding on my phone. And so you know, we were all done and we got offline and everything. I checked my messages and it was from my wife. And it just, you know, it was just short and sweet. You know, Leonard Nimoy has died. And I was like, oh, no. And so I'm thinking, you know, is, is it really, you know, because she wouldn't just say something like that if it wasn't true, but I didn't want to believe it, you know. So I went online and sure enough, you know, all of a sudden there's all these stories and everything. So, I mean, it was real at that point. And I just, you know, I, I went to the Facebook. But the president issued a statement today, you know. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. Well, you know, <laughs> I mean, whatever about, you know, however anybody right about the president, that's the that's the level of what. You know, I mean, I, well, that, I'm expecting NASA to issue a statement if they are. Oh, yeah, they did. Yeah. yeah you know, yeah, I mean, did. that's that's the level that he has reached in people's consciousness. Oh, absolutely. Whoever was president of the United States today probably would have had to go. Wouldn't have probably had to, but probably was, was like, you know, <laughs> I'm going to say, you know, no matter what political bent they are, that it's it's Star Trek. You know, well, that's the thing is, you know, how often, you know, th this I, I imagine is not going to happen very often in, in people's lives or in our lives where somebody who literally changed the world passes, you know, because there was that great series a few years back. I forget what it was on. It was on, I don't know, History Channel or something. It was called, I, I think it was called William Shatner Changed the World or How William Chat Shatner Changed the World or something <laughs> to that effect. by William Shatner. And it was, I mean, Starring it was tongue-in-cheek. It was yeah. very tongue-in-cheek. But it was basically, it was about Star Trek and how Star Trek has literally affected the, the world that we live in today. How there are things that we take for granted every single day that would not exist Did you see the, without Star Trek. The drawing of the warp ship they're talking about building that, yeah. doesn't it look right out of Star Trek? The oh, absolutely generation? it does. And you know that that's purposeful. That, yeah. You know, because there's so many of these people that have come for, you know, from NASA and what, you know, scientists that have directly, you know, they've yeah. come right out and the just admitted, well, you know, they were that directly influenced. Probably, you know, knows every Star Trek episode by name. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and I mean, the, the two faces of Star Trek have always been Kirk and Spock, you know? And, you know, so this, this was a big deal. This was profound. And... All day long, you know, I've been I was watching the the Facebook things and I wanted to say something. You know, I wanted to 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 try to put into into words, you know, kind of my conflicted feelings about the whole thing. And I, I say conflicted well, it's probably easier to just I just want to read what I wrote here and, and maybe elaborate on it a little bit. But this this was the best I could come up with. And believe me, this this was this was sitting in front of the computer for probably a couple of hours today, really just trying to get my thoughts together on, on how did I want to word this. So I just you know, this is what I wrote and this is, you know, it's pretty honest. As I said, you know, I just heard that Leonard Nimoy has passed away and I'm stunned. Stunned to find myself so deeply saddened by this news. Oh, sure, I'm a Star Trek fan, had been, uh, have been since I was a kid. And let's face it, Leonard Nimoy was no spring chicken. He was in his 80s and dealing with serious health issues, some very recently. 
And in all honesty, I had some issues of my own with him in recent years, starting with his refusal to appear in Star Trek Generations, then blasting the picture afterwards for perceived problems that his participation might have addressed. Then came the impression of him having sold out to the reboot. Particularly upsetting, at least to me, was when he called those of us that just couldn't get on board with New Trek dickheads on Saturday Night Live. And I'll admit that this caused me to lose a lot of respect for him at that time. So, why am I so affected by this news? Uh, and I think... I'm sorry, uh, I didn't mean to interrupt. That's alright. It, it, to that, it's like it, when we were talking in the IM, it's like when old Uncle Fred passes. Yeah, you had words with old Uncle Fred now and then, especially maybe like in the last couple years. But, it, you know, <clears throat> it's still old Uncle Fred. You know, you still have all right. the the good stuff and and let's face it neither of us know leonard nimoy so it's all just sort of all that sort of stuff sort of goes out in the wash when Mm -hmm. the person dies and you don't you think about it but it's it doesn't it doesn't weigh as much in the large scale you know all of a sudden when their life is put into perspective it's a whole different thing you know and and that's what i hope that's what I really hope, that sentiment is what I hope really comes across in, in what I wrote here. I, I wrote that uh, I think it all goes back to that as a kid thing that I said before. I fell in love with Star Trek through HBO. And I, you know, I, and we've talked about this many times in the past, but, you know, specifically when Wrath of Khan first hit on HBO and was in constant rotation back in the early 80s. While I love the action and the plot and the score and, of course, you know, Shatner's Kirk. There was something about Spock that just spoke to me in that film. And this was when I was, you know, we were going from uh, middle school, you know, into junior high. And for me, that was a really tough time in my life, you know, because I was, you know, this nerdy, gangly, dorky kid who just, I I got picked on a lot. And I, I wasn't popular, I, you know, particularly with girls, and I didn't have a lot of friends, you know, outside of, of you and Randy, really, were pretty much it in high school. Yeah, and the teachers weren't much help. No, so. not at all. So, you know, somehow, and I'm, I'm still to this day, I'm not entirely sure why, I, I found that I really identified with Spock, particularly that version of Spock in Star Trek II. Because he had this this just quiet reserve about him, you know, this way of carrying himself himself that uh, I just felt it told you everything you needed to know about him, even when he wasn't saying anything. And he just he just exuded a, a coolness about nobility. Him, there was a, a nobility, yeah. And that, like, I think the the scene in that that always like summed that up the most for me is when he's collapsed by the reactor core. And Kirk comes to the window, and he gets up, and he actually, like, composes his dress uniform. Mm -hmm. You know, he gets it. He's like, okay, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to use every last, uh, but he does it with, you know, just this disciplined nobility. And it's gut-wrenching. That that whole scene Mm -hmm. is gut-wrenching. Yeah, I remember sitting in your room listening to the audio tape of that over and I mean we had that thing memorized down to the tiniest sound effect Mm -hmm. and uh, I still do yeah I still do 
but you know you could tell that uh you know that he was you know he had he had everything together which is what i really liked yes. about him and as i started you know i started learning more about the old show and and watching the old episodes he he just he seemed to really have it together and even when people would say things to him and and treat him mistreat him it didn't appear at at first on the surface of it that things bothered him and you would learn later that that actually wasn't true right because but it was just the way he composed himself right. and everything and i i really identified with that because as you learn more about the character you discover that you know, there's this misconception, even in, you know, both in the world of Star Trek, but, you know, outside of Star Trek as well, that Spock, I, I've often heard him mischaracterize that Spock doesn't have emotions. You know, that, that was Mr. Spock's deal was Mr. Spock didn't have emotions. It's actually not true. It's actually rather the reverse. He was a, he, well, he was a deeply emotional person because that's what the Vulcans were. They were deeply emotional people. But through his discipline and his logic, he'd managed to keep you know this tight rein on his emotions so that they didn't control him and that is really the part that that appealed to me that i identified with because again you know difficult time and you know youth and all that sort of thing well i think i identified so, with this in some way and it reminds me in a way we brought him up a couple when we were talking with randy it was charles petty and that was mm -hmm. um when you're getting picked on that stoicism, you know, right, that, right, yeah, that would where where it's it's a stoicism where you're controlling yourself and you're like, I'm not gonna punch this guy in the face, that's probably gonna kill me anyway, but or you know, I'm not gonna freak out or I'm not gonna let them get a rise out of me, and at the same time, using your logic to go, this guy's an idiot, it's not worth getting sent down to the principal's office or you know or whatever it was to to get through you know whatever was was going on since spock was a hero of the nerds i mean i'm sure that came into play on the playground mm -hmm. you know uncounted times in in the history of the american worldwide playground worldwide mm -hmm. playground <laughs> but yeah i i really did i really identified with that and you know to a certain degree uh and at tried the same to time, emulate that. Yeah, he mm -hmm. was super smart and super strong. So you had that right. uh, that sort of little wish fulfillment thrown in there. You know, mm -hmm. he was he was a walking computer, and which I mean, a lot of kids when as a as a nerd kid, that's what you feel like a lot of times as a walking computer, or you get mm -hmm. treated like a walking computer a lot of times. People go for you, for, go to you for information and stuff. So. Yeah, there was a lot to a lot more to identify with than say Kirk, you know. Yeah. I mean, I think that the other character that like nerds maybe would identify with next to Spock in Star Trek would maybe be Scotty, you know. Yeah. But yeah, that those were the things that really appealed to me. So you know, in a, in a lot of ways uh you know, he, he was very much a role model in that respect, you know, learning how to, to you know, to deal with uh, with those, you know, difficult emotional times, you know, having, you know, trying to have that, I don't know if stoicism is necessarily the right thing, but, you know, just that, 
you know, you know, internalizing the emotions and not letting the emotions just rule you kind right, of thing. Right. But yeah. Well, the, that's that's kind of what I was thinking. Of, the, the amazing thing too was watching the whole process, and I mean, and this goes back to you know both both of us have he said stuff that ne- that neither of us have liked, but you know in in the perspective in his perspective, you know you've got his whole career and his you know where he's like I'm an actor that's a role I did, you know, and this is something he and. Most, uh, pretty much all of the cast, really, of Star Trek had to face at some certain point was because of their great popularity as Star Trek actors, they really were going to have a hard time being cast as anything else successful. Right. You know? Right. The serious movies were like, oh, they're Star Trek actors. And then so they were, you know, almost relegated to B movie roles. Which were just like kind of crappy. It's you know a lot of the times if they if they ended up in other genre stuff, it was either jokey or kind of crappy. And it makes and you saw Leonard Nimoy's whole progression from you know the book I Am Not Spock to the book I Am Spock, where you know he finally was just like, hey, you know this character has defined a large part of my life, whether you take mm-hmm. it from a financial point of view and you know what it's had on my you know my family being able to live a nice life to you know the actual philosophy of Star Trek and and uh, and he was brilliant in taking the whole too famous to play other roles really and you know turning it into oh, I'll be a director and right great successes at at that you know um I always forget about two men and a baby, you know, <laughs> three men or three yeah, men three and a baby. I, I, yeah. I'm, I'm getting it confused with that stupid TV show too, two or two and a half men or two and three, <laughs> whatever. Yeah. And that, I mean, I forgot that movie made zillions of dollars and I think he did the sequel to it and, and such as that. I've often wondered if both with he and Shatner and two um, and also, like, you know, the other car- living Star Trek actors, like Takai, they sort of, everything they do other than Star Trek after a certain point is almost kind of goofy, you know? As if they're like, yeah, well, we know we're not going to, you know, I'm not going to do King Lear, so I might as well do this, you know, Bilbo Baggins song. Well, you know, for him, I, I, of all of them, I think it, he was the one that it bothered the most. Right. You know, that, that he was kind of typecast into right. that role of, of Spock. Because, I mean, you know, you, you, you pull up his, his biography or, you know, you look at his wiki or whatever, and there's all these works. But honestly, you know, to the average Joe, you know, I mean, he was Spock he hosted in search of and then there's you know that's there's right. a few other things of of note yeah. and that's pretty much it you know and so you know it really is spock that uh that defines him i mean that is clearly the thing that he will be remembered for oh, but yeah. you know just looking over the the list here there were some other things that uh 
that I thought were were interesting. You know, like he was in Them, for example. That's one of my favorite old, you know, monster movies. I love that movie. And, oh, that's I never knew that, but I know Shatner was in Empire of the Ants, so they're right like ant movies. <laughs> but you know, In Search of was that was a big was deal a when we were show. young. Yeah, it was a great show. I used to love that, and he, I thought he was really good on that show as well. I mean, he was kind of doing the spock thing again but in it's that particular voice, case though. the the typecasting actually worked yeah he's yeah got it was. That, he's he had a... got that rich voice and i i mm-hmm. mean didn't it was was it transformers he was a character in yeah he was a, a character in uh in both uh the transformers movie the the animated movie back in the 80s and then um the most no i'm sorry i was gonna say the most recent one but it's now the next most recent one the transformers Dark of the Moon, I think. Dark he, of the he voiced uh, Giant Robots Three. Yeah, <laughs> he played uh, Sentinel Prime. He actually played a pretty, uh, pretty good role in that, and uh, and I liked him in that. He was the voice of the the king or whatever he was in um, Atlantis, the Disney movie Atlantis, which I'd forgotten that entirely. But just by coincidence, uh, actually, I think it was the last time I worked um, in our play in our uh, break room. Uh, we always have some, you know, DVD playing in there, and Atlantis just happened to be playing, and it was at a part where, uh, where they go to the throne room, and the king started speaking. I was like, "Damn, that sounds like Leonard Nimoy." So I looked it up, and sure enough, yep, Leonard Nimoy. But yeah, he did do a, a fair bit of uh, a voice stuff as well. I had completely forgotten that he was the narrator of Titanica, which was that um, IMAX film. Uh, on one of the expeditions down to the Titanic. I forget what year that came out. Did Cameron have something to do with that? I don't think that one's a Cameron one, no. Um, Let's see here. Yeah, it was from 95. Yeah, I don't think, no, it says that one was directed by Stephen Lowe. It was an IMAX documentary. It was one of the the, uh, expeditions down to Titanic, uh, it was about 10 years after it had been discovered. It was one of the ones that went down and recovered artifacts and stuff. So I don't believe Cameron would have had anything to do with that. But uh, somewhere I used to have a uh, uh, high-res um, VHS copy of that off of Laserdisc that I used to watch all the time. But I'd completely forgotten that he had narrated that. That's actually a really good one, although I didn't like the fact that they... Uh, that they brought up artifacts and stuff from that one. But um, something I learned today, uh, I saw it posted on Facebook because there was, uh, you know, one of the um, Disney things that I follow on Facebook was pointing out, like, the Disney projects that he had worked on. You know, so they mentioned, like I said, the Atlantis thing. I never realized that he was the director of all of the video portions of Body Wars. Body Wars was this ride that it's not it's not at Disney anymore. It's, it hasn't been there in a long time, but it was essentially it was Star Wars for inside your body. You remember that movie with Raquel Welch? What was the name of that? Where they go inside the human body? It was Fantastic Fan- Voyage. Fantastic or- Voyage is that it? Yeah, that's what I was thinking too. I think that's right. And it was essentially that where. There's something I forget what the whole story was. Now it's I mean, it's been gone a long time, but essentially you got <clears throat> excuse me shrunken down, put into this ship, and then injected into the human body, 
and because it used the same ride simulator vehicles and everything that Star Tours did, it was very Star Tours like. It was a lot of you know moving and you know jerking around and all that sort of thing. But you were fl- instead of flying through space and going through the trench run and all that, you were flying through like a bloodstream, you know, veins and arteries. Yeah, exactly through the through the human body and through the bloodstream and everything. Well, I, again, I just never knew that he had directed that. I thought that was really interesting to find that out. I had no idea. So those are you know some interesting things to to hear about today. But of course, you know the the main thing that that everybody's you know always going to go back to is of course the Star Trek thing, and that's what I had gone back to as well. But uh, watching it tonight on the on the nightly news because all day long I just you know it 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 just bummed me out, you know. But then it was actually seeing it on the nightly news is somehow that's what what made it real. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was surprised by my reaction to it. I actually was getting teary-eyed about it. I was like, "Oh, that's you know, it's really true. It's really you know, he's really gone, kind of thing." And it just was like, "Oh, it is. It's it's sad because it's one of those, you know, you're sad when it's when it's somebody like that that you know you looked up to and was a hero and all that. But it's also it's one of those, you know, it's just the the end of an era kind of thing. Well, you know, the I mean, ever since we've been fans of Star Trek, we've been sort of following his life and exploits. Right. You know, I mean, in my house, I've I've got a book of his poetry. You know, and I know that he's a pa- he was doing paintings and photography, mm-hmm. and you know, I've, I'm constantly reading about him. I've been reading a lot about the formative years. Of, you know, the beginning beginnings of Star Trek, and you know, his he would doing TV work with Roddenberry before, and stuff. You know, being on a lot of you know cameos on tv series and stuff like that right and it's now it's over now like all that information that's just been constantly has is now in a beginning middle and end did you see that great video that he was part of it was like a year or two ago what was the name it was it was hysterical where he got up I'm trying to remember the name of the song. It was something like "I'm not doing shit today" or something like that. Was the name of the song, and he, he got up and yeah, smoking weed, and he just like went to the grocery store, and he's walking along, tossing in, in his robe, and f- he flips somebody off. It was just it was hysterical. I forgot I was all like, about that. I remember that it was amazing. Yes. Yeah. How did I forget that even happened? Yeah, because I, I was watching that, going, "How the hell did they get Leonard Nimoy to do this?" I just was, asked him. It was actually really funny. He always but, uh, seemed, I mean, it pretty much seems like he was kind of, it seems like a lot of the original Star Trek crew were kind of freewheeling, fun-loving, um, free-loving <laughs> individuals, you know what I mean? Right. And, he, I mean, he always had a bohemian sort of, you know, he always, like, when he wasn't Spock, you would see him in, like, a high-collared sweater or something you know right kind of artsy but not he was not artsy fartsy because he just never seemed to take himself a hundred percent seriously you know he was just having that's that's what i sort of for the most part all the star trek actors have been able to be like okay i accept star trek they're all at an age where pretty much i guess that's what you do anyway is you just say screw it you know (laughs) whatever i am what i am but that you know they've accepted Star Trek is almost completely defined my life. I'm just going to have fun and do whatever the hell whim I have, you know? Right. And uh, 
what a what a, I mean, what a great life. Here it is. It was called the Lazy Song by Bruno Mars. Okay. And uh, it says here an alternate video was directed by Nez, whoever Nez is, produced by Ann Johnson, was released on May twenty first, two thousand eleven. Oh, so it goes back a couple of years. Yeah. This is a video features Leonard Nimoy, who enjoys the lazy life. During the music video, Nimoy, who wears a robe and slippers all day, is seen wandering around the neighborhood and scaring the local ginger kids. He's at home smoking weed and chilling out. Besides this, one or two other famous Trek stars make brief appearance, uh, make a brief appearance like William Shatner. Mars and Lawrence make a cameo in the video walking out of the grocery store as Nimoy walks in. I got to find that again because I've only ever seen it once, but I crack. I thought it was hysterical. I remember that too. And then I, and like the internet, you see a thousand things like that. And then it's like five years later, someone remind it, it is, it's about five years later. Mm-hmm. I don't, I do not. I, all I really remember about that is I get the image of him in the bathrobe walking down. It's like a sub- it's a total suburb street, you know, somewhere. Right. And I in the in the grocery store, he's being especially obnoxious, and he's like grabbing things out of people's hands and and. Uh, but I do not remember William Shatner at all, so I definitely have to look that up. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna find that and post it up because I'd much rather see that get spread around and have a have a good remembrance of him than the one I'm seeing everywhere is the death of Spock in the radiation chamber one, which you know I understand the sentiment behind it and all that. That's always made me cry anyway. But there's a side of me that looks at that as being just a little bit tacky it's as a well. Too off you know? the nose. You know? Yeah. So I don't I don't know. I mean, when I posted a picture, I, I purposely tried to find something, you know, where I thought it was Spock looking cool as opposed to, you know, Spock, you know, with lesions and, and you know, radiation. You know, I just I don't know. It, it was it was. Yeah, it just bothered me. But uh, it is. It's sad. It, it really like, like I said, it just, it just it really it really took me aback how affected I feel by it. But I, I am affected by it. I think it's really sad. Uh, it's going it's affecting generations on my Facebook feed. I mean, everybody I know of every age is is affected by that. He's 83 years old. There's other people who are 83 years old who are Star Trek fans, you know, from mm-hmm. from way back that's that's amazing uh, original star trek fans are probably in their in their 70s and approaching 80s he was probably a little older than most of them mm-hmm. but, but even people that were the same age he was fairly young when it's just it's it's just incredible mm. very much so we got anything else on? well i know something i wanted to ask you so you know, a lot of people I, I saw posting on Facebook today that, you know, a, a, as a memoriam to him or whatever, that, that they were going to be sitting down and, uh, and of course, watching some Star Trek. And, and the thing that it seemed like, again, was was the dominant thing people were mentioning was Star Trek 2. I, I, I couldn't do that right now. I, I couldn't sit and watch Star Trek 2 with that scene at the end. It would just, I mean, it always weird. makes me cry anyway, you know, but it would just, I, I think it would really tear me up. I, so I got to thinking more of like an episode, like, like what would you, what do you feel is like the definitive, like, 
Spock episode because it kind of surprised when I thought about it what my answer actually surprised me quite a bit I mean I think and this is all my biases I think the obvious answer almost like it would seem would be a muck time maybe because Mm -hmm. you get to see him run the gamut of what he's got in him from you know being Spock to being wild you know wildly over the top emotional but I'm not sure if that would be the one that I would pick. City on the Edge of Forever is has a has a very defined Spock in it, but it's only one side of him. As far as like Spock's almost the villain in that in one. that one, but he has to be. That's the thing. It's his logic. the The logic is it, it's it's where it's. He has to be because Kirk is so operating on the emotional level that Spock has to be so coldly, ruthlessly logical just to get Kirk to be able to let go of Edith Keeler, you know, especially Kirk. I mean, if I were Spock at that point, I would have known. I don't want to get into a discussion about the show, but I would have known that, you know, the captain's a pretty passionate guy and he will do things, you know. out of out of pure emotion oh it's it's so hard to say i'm uh what is it what which one is it that he goes to the planet and gets hit by the spores oh yeah this side of paradise Mm -hmm. that's a good one one i thought of was um the naked time because he gets that great scene where he breaks down and cries for his mother. And I always really liked that scene a lot. I am in control of my emotions. Control of my emotions. <laughs> I am an officer. My duty. My duty is to. I'm sorry. Two. Two. Four. Plus, there's a good Kirk fight in there, too. Right. Where he gets to backhand Kirk over a table, and that chess piece goes up his ass. I always like that part quite a bit. <laughs> but, you know, the, the one that actually occurred to me is is probably, like, like the defining Spock episode. Strangely, I would have to say Yesteryear from the animated series. I don't, you know, that's a weird one because it defines the character, but is it necessarily a great Nimoy performance? Because I remember his voice work being, he seemed like he was giving more to his voice work than some of the other actors who who sounded almost like they were phoning it in, like literally phoning it in. I get the impression that for... um when they made the, I mean, those, um, 
now I'm it's it's um evading me. What was the name of the company that Filmation? Filmation was known Cheap Jack Animation House. Right. And I'm I would not be surprised if they never saw the script before they walked in. And I would be even I wouldn't even be surprised if they weren't even given a script but just like a sheet of paper with all their lines for all the episodes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because that would be yeah. faster and more efficient to do it. And with maybe like, you know, Sulu, surprised, you know, blah, blah, blah. So they have right. some sort of idea of context. But that would be the cheapest way to make it. And, you know, so it might it might be partially that they were half into it. I don't know if we were talking about as much Nimoy's performance as like, defining well, what what was the episode where he gave, had to give Sarek the blood transfusion oh yes um oh god what is the name of that episode that's a good companionship companionship companion show with with yesteryear yeah that's the one where his parents come on board right mm-hmm. and he's god, still estranged from his one? father yeah no that is the one yeah that is the one it's journey to babel journey that's the babel. name of it yeah journey to babel because remember uh he gets accused of of using some rare vulcan you know voodoo on on somebody and okay so he gets accused of trying have we done that one because damn it i, think <laughs> I can't believe i don't have better memories of it i need to dig it out and watch it again that is a good one though that is a really good one yeah because he's He's got to make that choice between his own father and captaining the ship. And remember, Kirk ends up coming up to the bridge and he's got, you know, he's just been stabbed and all that. But he he does it to convince Spock that, uh, no, no, go down to sick bay and save your dad. And then as soon as uh, Spock's off the bridge, he's like, <laughs> help me, Bones, I'm dying. Get me out of here, yeah. <laughs> With that happy juice. I'm- right. You got a you got a shot just just enough to get him up and mobile and yeah. sitting in the command chair and then he's hurting again. I ripped my stitches. <laughs> <laughs> that is a good one though. I do like that episode quite a bit. Um, I would not say the gas passers. That was a goofy one with uh, where you got those weird overlays of Spock's intimate thoughts and all that was some, yeah yeah. But, you know, that, that's the funny thing, too, is, I mean, he had some of the great, you know, some of the best stuff, but he also had some of the, like, the ridiculous stuff, too, because we haven't yet gotten to, um... oh, God, what's the one with Alexander, the little midget? Oh, what is that one. Yeah. Uh... Where where he does the, he plays a horse and he dances around. <laughs> around for... Yeah. <laughs> it's where, like, sings bitter dregs. Oh, what is the name of that one? It's not. Oh, we suck at this. It's not for whom the gods destroy. No, no, we did that one already. It's the reason I can't remember the episode, the name of the episode is I always thought that one sucked. That's the problem with it. I love that one. Do you really? Oh, the fun. We you are you kidding me? You, me, and Randy used to have a riot when that one would come on. Anyone where there's mad mind controlling people making the Star Trek crew do ridiculous stuff. Was the perfect excuse for Nimoy and Shatner to, to? Isn't this the one where like Nimoy gets to do like the the Mexican hat dance? Type yeah, hat, around Kirk's hat head. Dance yeah. right around yeah. Kirk's head. 
Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> no. Oh my god, I'm look. I'm trying to look it up as fast as I can, and I cannot. Because isn't it right toward the end of the series? Uh, Plato's Plato stepchildren. That's it. Yes. Oh my god. I like you. Like no. that one? I love it. Are you kidding me? It's <laughs> ridiculous. It's there's different kinds of love for Star Trek episodes. I'll just say that. It's like, you know, you have your kid that you're like, I love that kid. He's going off to college and he's going to be a lawyer and support me the other one day. And it's just like, I love that kid, but he's stupid as shit. But God damn, it's funny when he falls over. He he (laughs) makes the most of it. You know, he's just fun to be around. And that's Plato's stepchildren. And then there's that middle kid who's somewhere with both of them. And that's when you get the enemy within. Right. There's this perfect nexus of Star Trek overload awesomeness, but I'll tell you, hey, you know, I'm, I, whatever. They're all, they're all family, so you know, <laughs> I'm on their side. <laughs> Some of them, ah, you know, <laughs> you got your gas passers that you know, but yeah, still, you gotta sit down and hang out with them every once in a while. All right, I'm stretching the kids analogy too. too th- <laughs> I just, uh, I guess my final thing about Leonard Nimoy is what what makes the whole thing really special is he truly, as an actor, he truly understood the character of Mr. Spock. Oh yeah. And you know. He had a lot as actor actors are actors they're they got their egos and they're flighty and whatever so he had his identity crises and his his love and hate relationship with the character Spock but damn it when he did Spock he he understood the character and he didn't bring any of his outside crap into it he didn't try to any the, his character would change and grow but it wasn't and if you notice a lot of people who do a, a character for a long point of time will try to make the character almost into them, you know, they'll soften right. it up or they'll do whatever. So, and, and he never did it. He was always Spock. He always understood what made Spock tick and knew that, and, you know, knew that, and, and it was also an ego thing with him and Shatner where, you know, they were like, we're the main focus, but they were right. And as, as the main focus of the characters, they could have been, they could have just come in and done their, done their shtick every time, and it would have been sufficient. But they were, they changed and grew constantly, and, you know, I mean, it, and they by the end of the movies, they were heavily, they were directing the movies and, right, heavily into the creative process behind it. You know, I mean, I mean, Nimoy understood it so well that he made the most profitable. The, that was the most profitable Star Trek movie ever, right? The I, I believe so. This the fourth one, yeah. I mean, you know, profitable or not, I mean, he's responsible, you know, directorially for two of the best entries in the series. Yeah, you know, you've got three and four, yeah. and uh, you know, both fantastic movies. So. I don't know why I never think about him, him directing three, but that's true. And yeah. three, when it first came out, I didn't think of. I thought of it as a good follow-up to Wrath of Khan, but it was kind of. 
it had that TV show sort of feel to it, which I didn't know how I felt about it. And now I, and now that's the reason I, it adds so much depth to it now that watching it now is almost a completely different experience. And I loved it as a kid, but I was like, eh, it's kind of inferior to Wrath of Khan. And now to me, they're two, they're almost intertwined, you know, mm-hmm. although they're two completely different movies. But yeah, he, that, that one is the most like gothic, dreamlike, dark, dark, not as in dark subject matter, but like dark lighting wise. Yeah. Star Trek movie. And without being grim, it has, and you know, I mean, at the end, it's almost like a hellish landscape behind them and everything but it's in the enterprise gets blown up <laughs> so i love i love three i've always loved three as much as i i, I you know i'm really a fan of uh, of two i've always loved three i've always liked three just just that touch more because it, it just i don't know there's something about the grand scale of it and you know what you're talking about you know the you have the destruction of a world you know the enterprise i mean it, it's just it's the grand it's, scale, it's, but it was on a budget. They were on budget right. constraints, so it's got a little bit of the te- they had to they had to close in the sets and darken it up and you know, and you see only parts of the world and you could tell sometimes they're on a stage with several levels that the extras are just shaking back and forth to make it look like an earthquake. But right. it works. Yeah, it, it really it, does. It, the background's really de- so it 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 totally works. It's like it's almost um, back to our insurrection commentary. It's almost like a pumped-up version of the TV series, mm-hmm. which actually Wrath of Khan was at the time. And now everybody keeps thinking they want to do a pumped-up version of Wrath of Khan when they should just think, oh, yeah, wait, Wrath of Khan came, it was doing the TV show. Mm-hmm. Well, three just works for me because... It is very dark in the story that it's telling, but the movie itself never goes terribly dark. No. And that's the cool thing about it is that's what makes it effective Star Trek is that you can have all these terrible things happen to the characters. You know, Kirk loses his son, the Enterprise gets destroyed, an entire planet blows, you know, all this stuff. Yet it never gets dark and gritty and edgy and all that. It still maintains that that feeling of of hope and everything that that Star Trek embodied. Without and being so, like, but it's also not a light-hearted movie. No, not at all. And so I think it, it strikes that perfect balance. I, I've always been a really big fan of uh, of three, and four has gone back up in my estimation as well because you know when it first came out, I really liked four, and then I spent a long time where four was like on the bottom of my list. Like, eh, four is a piece of crap. But having watched it again, you know, we we did a commentary for it not long ago, and then I've watched it a couple of times since then. It's actually gone back up in my estimation quite a bit because I now I I think I understand or or understand again kind of what they were going for with that one. And one of the things that really redeems that movie for me is actually when they're back in the future at the end. You know, when they're back in their own time frame at the end, that nice little quiet exchange between. Spock and his father I've always liked that moment you know that's one of the you know it was it was uh, uh, DeForest Kelly that that defined Star Trek as just a series of of nice little moments 
and that's one of them that's just one of those great little character building moments that that brief little exchange between Spock and his father and I, I've always liked that because it, it just felt very real in that moment you know where they kind of come to an understanding of we are very different people and we want very different things but you know we can we can coexist and we can you know come together over this and his father even admits that he had made a mistake you know which you know gets that you know that famous eyebrow from from spock i love that it's right. just a nice little moment yeah well sark was not known for being wondering <laughs> mistakes mhm which is funny it was because a, it's pride <laughs> yeah and it's and it's a callback to you know all the way back to journey to babel i, I liked that mm-hmm. and i, I like that a lot and that's that's another thing i liked about that era of star trek is it was a callback to a, a later movie, but it wasn't like an Easter egg callback. Right. So like, here's a thing or something. It was like something that was real that affected a moment between the two people in in the movie. And right. Yeah. Good stuff. Or that. Thank you, Leonard Nimoy. Visit our website at two truefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T W O T R U E F R E A K S. You can email Two True Freaks directly at two truefreaks at gmail.com. Two True Freaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes, and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish, or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from, there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search Two True Freaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and the number two. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two True Freaks. Well, I have a hammer. And I have a bell. And I have a song, a song to sing all over this land. It's the hammer of justice. It's the bell of freedom. And the song is the song of love. Love between all of my brothers. And love between all of my sisters. All over this land but wait there's more so we've decided that uh as a as a final tribute to leonard nimoy because you know i i'd rather remember the guy with a with a good laugh you know i've heard this theory exposed before that you know a a, a wake should be a cell actually i think i learned this from an episode of star trek 
a wake should be like a celebration of a person's life. It doesn't it doesn't have to be this sad, you know, depressing experience. So in that spirit, uh, we actually found that video that we were talking about. This is Bruno Mars, The Lazy Song. This is an alternate video, an alternate official video that has Leonard Nimoy in it. So if you go to YouTube, you can easily find this thing. Chris and I are all synced up at zero zero. We're going to watch this video real quick and, uh, and just kind of comment through it and, and hopefully have a good laugh here. But, uh, this is our, our final, uh, remembrance of, uh, of Leonard Nimoy. So here we go on three. Ready? Okay. All right. One, two, three. Meds, a whole bunch of meds (laughs) all over the place. (laughs) Liquor bottles. Uh, is this really his house, you think? I don't know. There's a baby oil bottle I noticed up there. <laughs> I like how he stands there bouncing the entire... He reminds me so much of my grandfather in this video. It's not even funny. Maybe that's a grandfather thing is you got to sort of bounce it out, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so he probably... He wasn't even 80 by this time, but he's still... First time I saw this, I just rolled. I was like, I can't believe they got him to do this. I just thought it was hysterical. Honest <laughs> long johns. Droopy drawers long johns. Now he does look like my grandfather. <laughs> he just blows <laughs> That look me. is just priceless. <laughs> Throws the shit on the lawn. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. He's- watch this. Watch this. Vulcan death grip. (laughs) (laughs) The guy didn't make the right face. He's no fun. Oh, I love it. This is the part I remember the most. Doesn't he, like, steal stuff? Yeah, he just starts eating it. (laughs) (laughs) See, I've seen people do stuff like this at the grocery store, too. That's the funny thing. Well, at the same time... I don't know about you, but when I get about this age, I'm. <laughs> when I get about this age, and I notice a lot of people when they get about this age, screw it, man. Screw it. What, you know, I'm old. What are you going to do about it? That was well timed with the middle finger there. <laughs> I'm looking at girly books. That's Sorry, great. man. Somehow don't believe that Leonard Nimoy has pine wood paneling walls. (laughs) Oh, there's Shatner. Oh, that's right. He turns the channel. channel. Now it's Star Trek mixed with Taxi Driver. That's great. You ever seen Taxi Driver? A long time ago. Classic. <laughs> I thought he I thought there was a part where he was <laughs> That's you. <laughs> that for later (laughs) (laughs) 
Uh, here we go. This is the part I thought. I thought this was in here somewhere. Yeah, I knew. I, I, yeah. It's. What oh, do got the pan away? <laughs> He's got a tiger on his T-shirt too. Yep. That's great. Ah. Uh, <laughs> that was great. All right, everybody. Ladies and gentlemen, many of you know Leonard Nimoy as Mr. Spock on Star Trek. He writes wonderful poetry, and we're very pleased to have him read some of his poems on our show tonight. singers remind me that all things are for all people, that there's a joy and a sorrow, a love and a pain, which each of us separately feels as if it is ours alone. And it is only ours, even while it is everyone's. For each of us is a separate miracle in a collective miracle brought together for a moment by a group of notes or a scan of words from the heart of one who dares to think that others might feel as he feels. My gift is my song and this one's for you. And he sings it out to us as a gift, to be accepted or rejected, but given with a heart of love. I hope you don't mind, I hope you don't mind that I put down into words how wonderful life is when you're in the world. I remember felt safe enough with you to let you see me cry. And I will try to help one who finds the way too hard or too long because someone helped me. Someone who cared more about the brothers on the road than about the gifts at the end. And that someone was you. So I will think of you. You can tell this is your song It may be quite simple But now that it's done I hope you don't mind I hope you don't mind That I put down into words How wonderful life is While you're in the world And when the world falls away leaving only two figures merged in a classic chord, yours and mine, loving, being loved, in each part of the harmony, I will think of you.
sock it to me? 